Chapter 3, verse verse. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dog, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have, not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> this passage is talking about a lot of different things, of course, but it is talking about the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So that last phrase brings us all together. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what he basically does is define this. He explains it. He explains what the upward call of God is in Jesus to us. Then he also explains it in terms of the negative, what's it's not, what it's not. So what is it and what is it not? And, of course, he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to non-Christians. He's talking to us in relationship to what our life is like. And so the question is, what is this upward call? And then what is it not? So that you and I as Christians are not living our lives in something that is not good. We're not, we're not receiving the prize. And we're not finding ourselves laid hold of by God. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. He says, I'm striving for this prize. And the prize is an upward call and what is this upper call? He has already defined that and what it's not. So that's what we're going to look at. That's what we've been looking at a little bit. Part of the part of the upward call goes clear back to the very first verse that we've looked at. Rejoice in the Lord. In other words, God has called us to rejoice in him. But there's something that takes away the joy. And that is essentially that which is not the upward call. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. And we have been looking at that for some a, a, a bit of time. 
What we want to just mention to you today, because we have to go back to the verses we've not covered, but we do want to mention this comparison or contrast that's going on that has to do with this upper call. And what we really want to look at in terms of our own personal life is in relationship to what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, are we finding ourselves reaching for this prize, the upward call? Or are we being waylaid by these things that are called the body of the flesh? Okay? So essentially that's what we look at. And again, he's talking directly to Christians. Most of these Christians are mature Christians. In other words, they've walked with the Lord for some time. So he is challenging you and I, who have been with the Lord for some time, that we not get sidetracked by what would be called the body of the flesh. That we would really participate on a day-to-day -day basis in this upward call, so that we would receive the prize. That we would run the race in a right manner. Okay, so that's really what he's trying to explain. Also, what you find in this particular set of verses, in verses 8, 9, and 10, what you find is at the core of what Paul lives for. That really is the upward call. In other words, he is defining for you in very succinct terms what is the purpose of his life. This is what he's going after. This is, this is the energy that he is going to use so that he can pursue something that's like a goal a prize that's out there in front of him. And he's basically saying, this is my prize. This is what I want. This is what I've given my life to. You can go back through all sorts of different men in the Word of God and trace their core. What, what is it that's a part of their core? You can look at Enoch. Okay? You can look at Abraham. You can look at Moses. You can look at David. You can look at all of these different men that are part of the Word of God, uh, Micah. You can look at all of them, and, and you can find verses that as you read through the book, all of a sudden there seems to be, this is the purpose of why I was made. Okay, And this is the purpose that I'm going after. So if you ask that same question in relationship to the letters of Paul, where can you find its purpose, this is the purpose. Philippians 3, 8, 9, and 10. So it's important to know that and go back and look at them because, you know, as you look at these particular men, you want to make sure that you're in the same camp, you know, that you're doing the same things they're doing because there's a theme that runs through all of these particular men's lives in relationship to what's going on. And Paul, perhaps better than any of them, states it. So it's a good place to go to find out what is the upward call of God. Now, it's a beautiful phrase, the upward call. Okay, the upper call. What you find here is a deep, deep sense in God's heart for the significance of your life. Okay, what, what you find is that God senses and knows and understands and has built into his plan for you a significance. Okay? And that is a very, very important statement to understand. This upward call has to do with the significance of who you are. And it's, it at first originates not in you, but in God. In other words, it's in his mind, in his heart. As he talked to Jeremiah, as he talked to Isaiah, what you find is a, a, a concept in the mind of God. 
Jeremiah, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I had a plan for you. And when Isaiah stands in front of God in Isaiah chapter 6, you find that God presses upon Isaiah the purpose that God has for his life. Okay? And so that's the same thing that's being talked about here. Paul has said, I understand this call that God has given to me. And of course you dramatically know that that's true. When you look at, look at Paul's life, God steps in because Paul had no real understanding of what was really going on. And he places this call upon Paul's life in relationship to what's going on. So every man that is basically following after God, who has found God, finds a significance in the mind of God about you, your call for your life, and, your, and his plan for your life. And this call is upward. Okay? It's upward. It leads you towards him. It leads you to something that is good, that is progressing towards a higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher state until you have finally reached its perfection. That's what Paul is talking about. He says, I haven't reached it yet. Okay? But the call causes me to go higher and higher and higher each day. So each day is a provision by God to allow you to sense your significance in that day, and that is leading you upward, not downward. But the, the problem here is, are you living still in the body of the flesh, or are you basically following the pattern that has to do with this upward call? That, that's the question, see. That's what Paul is warning these people about. He's warning them about that. Okay, so that's essentially what you have to ask yourself. You're given this day, you're given tomorrow, and is your life moving in an upward direction in relationship to this call that God has given to you? His sense of what your life is. Okay, so that's what it's talking about there. Verse 8, 9, and 10 have to do with the call and defining the call. And I'm going to give you the parts to the call, and next week we will begin to actually get into looking at them, okay, and the individual uh, parts of them. We're going to look at the other side this week, okay. Uh, in 8, 9, and 10, the first thing that you find is 8 actually goes with verse 10, so we're going to have to work this around a little bit, but there are five parts to basically talking about the call. Okay, so we're going to give you the five parts and we're not going to get into them, but we'll give you the five. All right. The first one is, is that you may be found in him. Verse 9. That you may be found in him. This is the initial finding of Christ. This, this is when you were reborn or born again. Okay. So this is what it, and it describes it very, very well in verse 9. It basically says you have no chance on your own righteousness. You have no chance in relationship to finding God or this upward call. You cannot make this movement. So it's a comparison of your own self-righteousness with the righteousness that is found in him. And that can only be gained by your faith in him. That's exactly what this verse says. Okay? So it's the original. 
So when you look at everybody in this room, there's really only one initial question in the mind of God. Are you found in him? Have you believed by faith that he has become your righteousness and that you're not depending upon your own self-righteousness? Are you found in him? So that's the initial stage, initial question. It separates the world. It is literally the only sin that will damn a man. Okay? So that is essentially the major issue that's in the mind of God. Have you accepted my son for yourself? Or are you holding on to your own self-righteousness? Now, the self-righteousness is the problem for a Christian as well. In other words, even though you come to Christ and you accept him, and you believe by faith that he brings these things to you, you can still live in the flesh. You can still live that way. Even though you're saved, you can still rely upon and do all sorts of things that cause you to not find the upward call. That is exactly what Paul is talking about here. And he lists all these things that are a part of self-righteousness that a man can still lean on and still go through the motions and thus miss the prize, the full prize, in relationship to what God has called you to be. Okay? But the first initial state is to be found in him, and it is by faith. It has nothing to do with your own righteousness. After you've come to him, after you've become his, then basically you have four things that your life is to be a part of, day by day by day by day. Event by event by event. Telephone call by grocery picking up, by talking to your friends, by worship, by morning devotion, whatever it may be. There are four things that are going on, and this is the upward call. Okay? And they are found in verses, <coughs> actually in verse 10. Okay? that I may know him, that I may know him. That's the first one. Now, and if you look at verse 8, it is a commentary on that phrase. Verse 8 becomes a commentary on to know him. And we'll look at this later. Now, the word know is actually a verb. And what you find, if you'll notice, a little, a little conjunction there, and. So what you're doing is having a verb to know, okay, that I may know, okay, and then you have a bunch of things that are attached to it, so that's what you're getting, so what, what Paul is saying is, is this is what you should know on a day-to-day -day basis, this is what should be something that you're gaining knowledge in and participating in and understanding deep inside your soul, but it's an active force, okay, so that you're increasing in your understanding of who Christ is. So that's the first thing. And this has to do with a very, very personal understanding of the life, the mind, the soul, and the heart of God. You're getting to know somebody that you're falling in love with. It's just like knowing your wife. It's the very same concept. I mean, the whole marriage setup is, is an example of this idea. God says, your marriage to me is just like your marriage to your wife or your husband. You're to know me that intimately. So that is what you go through each day. That is a process that should be going on. If it's not going on, you're missing the upward call. 
Okay, so you can check your day out and see if your day has spent any time, any motion, anything that has moved you towards knowing Him. All right. Now, all of you decided to come here this morning, not only in the Sunday school class to be at worship. That is really a decision that could be of the flesh or a decision that will cause you to move towards an upward call. You're really here because you want to know. You really want to know. You're here because of that. Or it's a self-righteous act that is not taking you really that to, to that direction. See, this is what we're going to see. Okay? Uh, you're also to know the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. So, in relationship to the upward call, there's a power that you're to understand. Now, I think I, I follow more on the first one. I'm going to have to study pretty hard to understand a little bit more about this power. Okay. Most of us that are in this church have, uh, we struggle with the issue of the power. The charismatics lean very hard to the power. Okay. I think that there is, there's a certain wrongness in both of us and that, uh, well, especially when it was like 15 years ago when there was such a separation. Now the separation is not as far apart. And, but, I ha but we have a real tendency to drop back into the comfortable part of what we understand when there's other groups over there really trying to explore another part and we should explore it more in relationship to what's going on. And so we, need, we will look at that. What is the power of the resurrection? What's that mean in terms of your daily life and your upward call? Okay. The third one, has to do with the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. And the fourth one has to do with conformed to his death. Conformed to his death. Okay? So, of course, as you can see, we're moving into some very Easter-type topics in relationship to what we're going to go through. So a couple of weeks here, we'll deal on that. Uh, I think... It's uh, April the 13th, somebody correct me here, but we will not be meeting in this class. That's, is that next week? That's not next week, it's the week after. But they wanted us to announce that so that you would be aware of that. They're having a meeting of all Sunday school classes uh, to discuss the building project and where that's going. Okay, so that's something they wanted us to announce. Okay, any questions so far? Anything that's we might be able to clear up. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, which one was it? No, 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 no. Which figure? Paul. Paul. Okay. Uh, I w I would say that if you looked at Paul, uh, God verbalized it at the very beginning, and I think Paul studied that and try to understand that. For instance, when, when uh, Paul was blinded and he was sent, and then, and then the man who was sent to take care of him told him immediately that you are going to have this, you're going to be called, you're going to be a light to the Gentiles, you're going to take the message to them, and you're also going to suffer greatly for me. 
So the fellowship of the sufferings was identified. What we find Paul doing is, is, of course, taking two years out of his life to study and try to put this all together because to him he was completely wrong and everything. That, so, did he understand completely? No, I don't think he did. It wasn't until he had that two-year study in relationship to the Word, which I, which I could consider the finding of Christ, the knowledge, the surpassing knowledge. All, it all came back together to him at that particular point to where he understood what was going on. So, not immediately. Okay? His understand, he, he understood the figure of Christ, who he saw, but understanding what that all meant to his life and how to put it all together turns through all the things that he had understood in the past. No, it took him several years okay, before that completely came together. Although the message that came to him through Ananias, essentially uh, that particular figure brought to him uh, the message of God that really defined his life in terms of his call okay, and what his mission would be. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Right. When you can look back and see it. And I would say that that's very, very true because I'm sure Paul, even in his understanding of where God was taking him, he, 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 he miscued on a few things here and there. And... Uh, and, and but he backed off and realized that that wasn't exactly the way that God was taking him. He he thought this is the way it should be done, or this is the way he was going to go. But God changed the direction, and and so again, that's that's not uncommon for even us. Yes. Do you think power of resurrection doesn't have to be uh, like you're talking about charismatic power of healing and that type of thing? But it seems like uh, power of resurrection is manifested every day in just the issue of uh, being obedient and making right decisions or the wrong decisions. I mean, what allows us to do that and what empowers us to do that is the power of the resurrection right. because we wouldn't do it otherwise. Right. In that sense, it is, it, it is an everyday thing. It's not just talking about right. miraculous healing or something like that. No. So, the, the key to the power of the resurrection has to do with the word resurrection. Okay. Now, what power are we talking about here? So the defining force of the power has to come from the word resurrection. So what you want to do is go back to the, that concept theologically and try to pick up what's being said in terms of the resurrection itself. The resurrection is the death of something and the giving of life to something else. Okay. In other words, the resurrection power is, is the power that causes you to be alive. Okay, and it's a word that's used over and over and over and over and over again. And I think it has to do with every single phase of a man's life. The power is available, for instance, to cause my love for my wife, which is really still selfish, definitely unrighteous very often, still a part of the flesh. The power that God has given to me is to bring life to the love that is selfish. Okay. And essentially, so you're right, in every aspect of a man's, it really has to do with the transformation of a man's life. Okay, And that can do with healing and other kinds of things too. But, in, but you're right, I think that that's not where the real focus is. But at the same time, we have a tendency to ignore 
the idea of the power. It was easy to think in terms of doing things ourselves. Exactly. Depending on the Lord, exactly available, let the Lord do things through us. We re- yeah, we really don't have a real sense of this power that can change this. We just think, well, if I follow this, this, and this, and this, you know, it'll be okay. No, this will change. We don't rely upon it. We don't call on it. We don't ask for it. We don't, you know, we're, we're not too good at that. But that's exactly what he's saying here, to know the power. And if you look through the book of Acts, and that's what I'd like to try to do before we get to this section, is to run through the book of Acts as fast as I can, because that is about the Holy Spirit and the power. I mean, these people knew about the resurrection. We don't. We really don't look at the resurrection. I mean, we know the resurrection, but they, they watched it. They literally saw it. Okay, and that really affected them in terms of power. Okay, and they saw things happen right and left in terms of gates opening and you know all sorts of things that God did for them. And uh, you know, like all of a sudden here you are walking down a road, and all of a sudden you're right there by a chariot, you know, going down the road, and it moved 200 miles away. I mean, that's a little, little, you know, that's different. That's power. So, see, we don't sense it like that, and yet they sensed it like that. Okay, it was really a part of what they were. So we're going to look at that a little bit. Okay. All right. Uh, so those are the four, uh, five things that basically make up the upward call. So you need to look at that, and we'll try to go through those as we go through and go back to. It. But what we really want to look at is the opposite side, and what Paul calls. Uh, in, in some ways, uh, the flesh. Okay? He says, although I might have confidence even in the flesh, okay? if anyone has mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. So, what, what is the flesh? Now, we only have ten minutes, and I want to move past this, so I'm going to give these things to you instead of just opening them up for discussion here to let you look at that. What you, what you find in the word flesh as you look through the word of God is a lot of different things. But it really has to do with the, uh, the, that which, which has taken us away from God. It has to do with attitudes. It has to do with feelings and emotions. It has to do with anything that takes you away from God. It is particularly uh, a part of what we would call the unregenerate man. Okay? But it really has to do with attitudes like pride, uh, sensuality, the desire for the flesh in, in terms of sensual things. It has to do with anything that takes you away from God, the body of the flesh. All right? And Paul points out that there are things that you can rely upon in relationship to spiritual endeavors that take you away from God. So he's talking to Christian people, and he's basically saying, look, don't you rely upon these things that are very, very spiritual to keep you from finding the upward call. Because they're spiritual in nature, but you have missed the point. And you have allowed them to become confidences, self-righteousness, pride. And you have leaned upon your own ability. Thus, you're not participating in the power of God. You're not finding who Christ really is 
you're not really entering into his sufferings at all, and you're not being conformed to his death. Thus you miss the upward call. So what are some of these things? Well, the first thing he mentions is ritualism. And he uses an example, circumcision. So he uses circumcision as a ritual that has been performed by the people of Israel, particularly, as a sign that they are God's people and they rely very heavily on it or any ritual act that has to do with the church. It becomes a part of what they are in terms of their own self-righteousness. Now you might go, well, I don't do that. Well, let's just look at this a little bit. Okay? For instance, the whole issue of baptism can be set right up aside of circumcision as a mark of a Christian. Okay? We have whole denominations that rely upon the whole issue of baptism as a mark of being a Christian. Let's look at another issue. The Lord's Supper. There are whole denominations, unfortunately because of the teaching of the Word of God and our own emphasis upon the Word of God, we do not do these things, but there are a large number of people who do, and you may still have a kind of inkling from it because you come from those groups. Okay? Is the, the Roman Catholics, the Episcopals, all sorts of groups still believe that when you take the Lord's Supper, you must take the Lord's Supper to receive grace. And you must receive grace on a week-to-week basis. If you're not taking the Lord's Supper, you're not receiving grace. Okay? Again, what they are doing is relying upon certain human ritual concepts that God has designed, but they've taken it to a form of a self-righteousness. Okay? You have to be real careful about how you handle those kinds of things. Worship itself, Wednesday night services, uh, daily quiet times, how many times and how many verses do you memorize? Okay, What's your witness pattern? All, all of these kinds of things, they're not wrong. Paul doesn't say circumcision is wrong. He just says you've missed the soul of it and it has become a confidence that you rely upon that is a part of your own self-righteousness and actually has become a pride. Now, let me just give you a small little example. It just burns me every time I hear it. Okay? How many... It, it, you go to a Baptist group... I, I hate to pip up, pick on the Baptists, but the Baptists of the Methodists, and, and we were a part of a Methodist church, and you would be a part of the women's group, and they would ask, how many calls did you make this week? The girls were assigned calls that they had to make. I forget the name of the calls. But if you didn't have the calls down, there was a kind of rumbling in the group. Okay? It, 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 it was a self-righteous act. It could have been done by, by the power of God inside of you to really reach to somebody. I'm sure that at the very beginning of this whole thing, that's what it was designed to do. But it became a merit badge, okay, as to how righteous you were this week. And we can have all sorts of these things that have to do with ritual acts. How many times do you come to church? If you look at somebody who is not coming to church, what do you think? 
What do you think in your mind? Well, God told us to come to church, and they have to deal with that sin and that problem. But in your own mind, you may have a tendency to really look down upon them. And all of a sudden, what you've done is stepped across the line. Okay, you've stepped across the line. God will take care of his judgment of that person and their walk with God in terms of these issues. And you have to be very careful because now what you've done is puffed yourself up. Why? Because you come to church every single week. And it gives you a real sense that I'm better. Or not better, but I'm doing okay. And Paul is saying, you're relying on the wrong thing. I count that but rubbish. It does not fall into the four categories of the upward call. And so he's saying, be very, very careful about that. He then moves moves suit. He moves <laughs> to heritage. Heritage. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews from a tribe of Benjamin. Okay? He says, you be, be very careful about your heritage in terms of what you rely upon, in terms of who you are and what's become a part of your life. Heritage means squat. Okay? It means nothing except that it's given you a great deal that you must respond to. But in terms of, you know, self-worth or, or excuse me, self-righteousness, it has nothing to do with anything. And you have to be really careful about that. He then moves on to the idea of the law and keeping the law like a Pharisee does. And this is a whole legal issue, and we could spend a long time on this, because this is the one thing that Jesus was dead set against, was the Pharisee, and how the Pharisee handled the Word of God. Okay? That, that's the major issue. How the Pharisee handled the Word of God. Are you a person who's becoming pharisaical, and you're handling the Word of God as you deal with people? Okay? You have to be really careful about that. It becomes a self-righteous act on your part, you know, and you begin to become, you begin to place these things upon other people's lives. As you look at the Word of God, you're misinterpreting the Word of God. You're not finding what the Word of God is really saying, okay, in terms of what's going on. So it's a great warning as to that. And then, of course, he says, in relationship to the walking of what he saw in the law, he said, I was blameless. I never broke the law. So it became a great sense inside of me of righteousness. Now, I don't think that there are very few, few of us who have a sense of that. But there are, there are times, like, like I said, this little group is marking down their calls. In truth, those calls became their righteousness for that week. It's amazing. That's what just blew my mind. It was almost like, this is the sign that I'm a really a Christian. Okay? Now, you can do it in terms of your devotional life. You can do it in terms of how many scriptures you memorize. You can do it in terms of all sorts of things that you place upon other people's lives. Again, good things. Calling a person is a good thing. And can be done in the Spirit of God. The problem is, it's, it's no, not normally done that way. And so that's what they were talking about. These are the flesh that the Christian has to be aware of. Okay? That you and I have got to be aware of. 
and we have to look really, really hard as to our upward call. In other words, these four things should be actively a part of our lives every day. If they're not, you're missing the upward call. You're stagnant or you're in the flesh. Okay. And so we have to look at that in terms of our purpose. Time's up.